Well, let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for your word. To whom shall we go? You have and hold the words of everlasting life. Lord, and we are thankful that you do not hold those to yourself, but you share them with us. Lord, in this time of proclamation, we ask that you would open up our our hearts and our minds and our ears to have an understanding of your word. Lord, we know that without the help and without the work of the Holy Spirit, these words fall empty on the ground. So, Lord, we pray for your spirit to be with us, to use these words to transform us, to communicate to us in deep ways the love that you have for us, who we are as your people, as the church. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we've been doing, we are, uh, we are towards the tail end of our, of our time in the Apostles' Creed. Um, and so now we're making, making our way. We just did the Holy Spirit yesterday. Um, now we're going to be looking at, I believe, in the Holy Catholic Church. Holy Catholic, not, not Roman Catholic, but Catholic meaning universal. So hopefully you are not tripped up by that. And as we have been doing, we're, looking, uh, we're using the Heidelberg Catechism to help us. The Heidelberg Catechism has a section of questions and answers from, uh, from uh, specific Lord's Days that, that correlate and correspond to the Apostles' Creed. So this week, we, uh, we get to look at question and answer 54 of the Catechism. This is a teaching document that comes out of the Reformation period. Question and answer 54 and 55 about the, the Catholic Church, the Holy Catholic Church, and the communion of saints. So I will read the question and we'll respond together with the answer. O people of God, what do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? I believe that the Son of God, through his spirit and word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life, And united in true faith. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. What do you understand by the communion of the saints? First, that believers, one and all, as members of this community, share in Christ and in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members. And our scripture reading today is from the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And just to give a little, um, just a little bit of insight into the structure of the book of Ephesians, uh, six chapters... And you have the first three chapters, really, as Paul using uh, the indicative mood, saying that this is, this is what has happened. This is what is. This is what is true. And so he goes through three chapters of saying um, how we used to be dead in our sins, how we used to be divided people groups. He's especially talking about Jews and Gentiles. And he is saying that uh, unless for the work of Christ, yet for the work of Christ, we would still be in this state. But he says that Christ has come and he has made one new humanity out of the two. By grace we are saved. And he does this in three chapters just telling us what is true. 
And now in chapters 4 through 6, he goes uh, into his exhortation. So he's uses, using the imperative mood, the command, saying, since this is true, now this is how we should be living. This is how we should be responding. So when we see in chapter 4 this then or this therefore, he is having in mind everything that has preceded it. Everything about the work of Christ that is true for us, he's saying now. Therefore, this is how we are to live. So notice that this sermon is going to be more of, a, more of an exhortation, a, uh, uh, an encouragement to how we are to live into the unity that the Spirit has provided for us. All right, so hopefully that makes sense. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, or therefore, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am feeling generally healed from the last last Sunday, the cold that I had, but I do feel a little tickle in my throat, so that's why I'm... That's why I'm popping a cough drop, if you're wondering. Maybe that's TMI, I don't know. (laughs) Well, who here has ever heard of or used the word adulting? Yeah, yeah, a couple people, adulting. Well, somebody has taken this word, this noun, adult, and they've turned it into a verb, to adult. Or if you want to look at the gerund, you can say uh, adulting. Familiar? No? Maybe, maybe a little bit familiar? Well, see, there's a, there's a, there's a difference. There's a, there's a difference in, in the timeline of when adult things are happening uh, to people that we would usually consider adults. So people are, um, are the grown children are living at home with their parents for longer. 
that people are um, getting married at a later age. I think of when I was married. I was married 26, 27 years old. That's a little bit later than, than generations past. You think about people buying their first homes. It's, it's happening at a later date than it traditionally has been happening, and people are starting families at a later age. We had our first set of twins when I was, uh, I think, 33, somewhere between 33 and 34, a little bit later than what has went, than traditionally has been the case. Now, by all, by all definition... We are adults. And I'm talking we, I'm thinking of millennials. So people that were born in the 80s, people that were born in the 90s, this uh, just kind of uh, loosely defined group, by our age, by numerical definition, we are adults, and by our bodily development, by our physical development, we are adults. And yet there is a disconnect. There is a disconnect by what we are defined as, and what we are practicing. So there's this joking way, maybe a humorous way, of coming to terms with this idea of growing up. Google, Google defines adulting as the, the behavior, or uh, doing something that is characteristic with the behavior of a responsible adult. with the behavior of a responsible adult. So maybe that's loosely defined. But, so we have this joking way of saying adulting, as if people are saying, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm practicing living as a responsible adult, even if I'm not there. Look at me, I am ironing my shirt, like a responsible adult would be. Look at me, I am staying in on Friday night because I have to work early on Saturday. Look at me, I am buying a leaf blower so that I can clear out uh, the leaves in my yard. Hashtag adulting. Really, what we are saying, we're talking about maturing. We're talking about growing up for this, this age range, this millennial age group where there's a disconnect or a gap between um, being really defined as an adult and yet um, still coming to terms with what that looks like. Now, this morning, I would like to suggest that we turn the, the noun church into a verb. So I would say, to church. Or, Jaron, we can say churching. Hashtag churching. So by all manner of definition, by theological definition, we are the holy Catholic church. Which means we are holy. That means that we have been forgiven. That we have been called out. As we read in a question and answer of our, at our, of our catechism, we have been called out. A group of people has been called out from the world to believe in Christ, to have their sins forgiven, and to be set apart from the world. By theological definition, this is who we are. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the ones called out for the purpose of salvation, for the purpose of proclaiming God's love and God's word in the world. We are the church. And yet there is a disconnect. There is a disconnect from who we are defined as 
Being the church, this is our status. This is the identity that has been given to us by the work of Christ. And there's a disconnect between that status and that identity and who we are as a practicing people. We are not always aligned with our identity. There's a lot of growing up that needs to be done. There's a lot of maturing. Well, Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4, he comes at us with this theme, this major theme of growing up, this major theme of maturing. And a big part of this maturing that he's calling us to is unity in the body. Unity in the church. Now there is a, again, there's this disconnect between who we are defined as and who we are as a practicing people. And so Paul calls us to live into this unity that has already been gifted to us. This is his exhortation to us. He's saying, be that body that you have already been made to be. I want you to walk in this unity. I want you to walk in, the, in the, the unity that has been created by the Holy Spirit. So if this is the call, this is the exhortation to live into unity. If we are saying uh, that we're going to turn this noun church into a verb, to church, churching, what does it look like to church? Well, Paul says, Paul brings it to us in a list of virtues. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. If we are to live into this calling, if we are to uh, grow up into the maturity, into the full measure of Christ, Paul is saying, This is part of the way you do it. This is the way you live into unity. So we're going to look at this. First, Paul says, if we were going to say hashtag churching, I was hashtag churching today, I was, I was walking in complete humility. Now humility, humility is having a modest view of our own importance. It is a modest view of ourselves. And in the New Testament, when this word humility is used, it's usually used in reference to God. Who am I before God? How does God see me? Well, does God see me as the, as the team leader at work who is responsible, who has authority over 20 people, over 20 subordinates? How does God see me? Does God see me as the chair of the homeowners association, as the chair of the board who is responsible for making important decisions? Does God see me? as that important parent who has uh, good things to say at the PTA meetings, who people respect what I have to say? Uh, Does God see me as somebody who is the intelligent one in the room and everybody looks to me to say something smart or to say something that is going to lead the group? Is this how God sees me? Now, I want us to know that God treasures us, God loves us, and God values us more than anything that we will ever know. But before God, we stand as sinners who have been saved by grace. God values us, and God loves us. Why? 
because he created us. He values us and he loves us because he saved us. These are passive things, things that we only can receive. We didn't participate in our creation. We weren't good enough to be saved, and yet God chose to do so. And so when we look at ourselves, we think about who am I? What makes me important before God? We stand as sinners saved by grace. And the level to which we can accept this, this is going to impact our relations with others. This is going to impact how we associate, especially with the body of Christ. And so the question that we ask ourselves is, what is, where am I at? What is my view of myself, of my own importance? Do I have an inflated view of myself? Do I have an inflated view of my own importance, and it's causing me to struggle with um, being with certain people, being with other people, and not valuing their opinion and not listening to them? Humility. Be completely Humble, Paul says. Well, the second virtue that he gives us is gentle, gentleness. Be completely humble and gentle. Now, maybe when you think of gentle, you think of weakness. Weakness, somebody that gets walked on. But I want you to try to reframe this because it is Christ who is called gentle. It is Christ who is called meek. Moses is called one of the meekest men on the face of the earth. No, really, gentleness, it originates from a place of strength. It's a place of trust, a place of strong trust and strong contentment in the Lord. And I can be kind. I can be gentle before those with whom I disagree, maybe to the, with those who are unkind to me, I can be kind to them because I have a secure trust and a, a secure contentment in the Lord. What does it look like? When you think of somebody who is gentle, what comes to mind? Somebody who has control over their emotions. Somebody who is not bullying or... Um, or manipulative in their conversation. Somebody who is approachable. Somebody who is who's gentle is somebody who is kind. Somebody that you feel safe around. And so as you think, gentleness. Where am I with gentleness as we, as we think about this? Are we gentle? Is there, is there some place where we, um, where we have maybe offended somebody? Have I been rude to, to somebody? Gentleness. So Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. And then to church, the third thing, Paul says, if we're hashtag churching, we are walking with patience. Walking with, with patience. I want you to think of forbearance, long-suffering. I want you to think of endurance. Now patience presupposes that there will be people in the church. There will be people our brothers and sisters in Christ who will fail us. People in our, in our community who will let us down. People who will sin against us. The call to patience actually presupposes this. But the question becomes, well, how do I respond? How do I respond when I am offended? How do I respond when somebody comes at me in a rude manner in a way that is sinful? 
Am I quick to write people off? Or do I have a a long-range approach to unity, to relationships in mind? Can I be forbearing? Can I be long-suffering? Well, Paul also combines this call for patience with this call to bear with one another in love. Now, did you know that people in the body of Christ will be burdens? Have you ever experienced that? No? Okay. Well, there's probably, there's probably news, news that's going to come to you. Okay. <laughs> there are people in the body of Christ that are burdens, and we are called, well, in the book of Galatians, we're, we're called to, to bear one another's burdens, but here, literally, we're actually called to bear one another. We are called to bear one another, not begrudgingly. We are called to bear one another in love. So as we have this long-term view of relationships, as we are bearing this other person, we are called to do it in love. With, if you think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love. Love is patient and love is kind. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love does not dishonor. Be completely humble and gentle Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This is the call to the church. This is is Paul's exhortation. He's saying, this is what you have in Christ. You are united in Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one body, one spirit, one God, one Father that is over all and that is in all. He's saying, now live into this calling. This is who you are by definition. This is who you are by status. The Spirit has given you unity. Now live into that. Walk in a worthy manner of your calling. This is the calling, but this is hard work. This is really hard work. This is almost impossible work because we are not gentle enough. We are not humble enough. We are not patient enough, and we do not bear with each other in love. When left to our own resources, we take this church that is called to unity, and we see it, we see it come to division. We're not called to uniformity. We're not called to sameness. No, we are called to unity in the midst of our diversity. But left to our own resources, we tend to take these differences and we allow them to erode into divisions and we crumble the unity that the Spirit has given to us. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that he does not leave this up to us. In verse 16, Chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, From him, from Christ, the whole body grows. From Christ, the whole body grows and it builds itself up in love. God is concerned with our salvation, that he redeems us, that he calls us free of sin, that he declares us spotless before him. And he is so gracious that he is concerned with the working out of this unity. He is concerned with the working out of this maturity. So it is from Christ that this growth comes. And we have to say, well, what is our role? What is our role in this? If this comes from Christ, if the maturity, if the unity of the church, if its continual growth comes from Christ, well, what is our role? 
Now, I would argue that, it's, that it, it begins with a self-examination. It begins with an honest reflection. That we look at this and we say, well, where am I? And we come before the Lord and we say, Lord, how have I been living in gentleness? Have I been rude to somebody? Have I offended somebody in some way with a demeanor or an attitude that was unchristlike? And in that self-reflection, we say, Lord, are you calling me to admit my fault? Are you calling me to take this humble posture and to go before them and say, hey, look, I am sorry that I acted this way towards you. You don't need excuses. Say, I am sorry I acted this way towards you. Is the Lord calling you to confession and to repentance? Or maybe if we talk about this, this humility piece, are there people, if, if you think about people in the church, people in the community, um, the, the universal church with whom you disagree, have you been quick? Have you been too quick to devalue somebody, to close off your ears to them? And you ask the Lord, Lord, have I been seeing myself as being so important that I'm closing off other people, that I am unwilling to give them value? If they have been redeemed, if they are sinners standing before you as redeemed people and I am in the same place, then we are of equal value. And I value them just as much as I value this person who shares the same opinion. Lord, where have I been in the wrong? Or maybe you are the one who has been offended. And you ask, Lord, how, how have, I, have I been patient? How have I been doing at bearing with one another in love, bearing with this person? Have I been too quick to write somebody off? Have they offended me, and have I took a short-term approach to relationship and to unity, and I'd said, no, I'm done. Lord, is there a healthy way for me to engage with this person to where I can bear them in love? Well, God, through Jesus Christ, is growing and maturing the church. He is calling us to unity, and he is providing for that. And he is inviting each of us as individuals into this work. And as his people, as his people, each of us are to be coming before the Lord, in communion with the Lord daily, because he is the one that makes us grow. And we come before him with our prayer and we say, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Lord, is there something that you want me to do? I want to be open to you. I want to be willing to work towards the unity of your church to which you are calling us. Well, God is so gracious that he has provided not just for our salvation, but he has provided for our growth. So may we as his people empowered by the Holy Spirit, may we give attention to the Lord as he works this in us. May we submit and surrender our resistance and may we join him. May we join him in this work of unity as we live out this life of unity before a watching world. And all of God's people said, amen.